Welcome to episode number 11 of the Digital Head Voice. We're happy to tell you that we've been featured in the top 25 Digital Head podcasts. And with that in mind, we know that we have a bigger responsibility to share with you more and better information on Digital Head through our podcast. And today, I'd like to introduce you to Tiasa Zaitz. Tiasa, you might know her very well, as the host of the Faces of Digital Head, an extremely popular podcast in, the, in this field. And most of all, though, she has an int- another interesting role, which is that of being a better meds business developer, which goes into patient safety and medication management. So let's explore in the video interview slash podcast. Go for it. So welcome, Tiasa Zaitz. Wow, you're with us. I'm, we're really lucky to have you. Honestly, Tiasa, you don't know how much, um, how honored to have you with us. First of all, because you're a first class podcaster, hands down to you, and I'm learning every day from you. And also, secondly, because you have a weight of knowledge. And the weight of knowledge comes from speaking to people. And uh, I'm really inspired by your actions. And... I'd like to introduce you today to our lovely audience that we're building as well. And this, and with this in mind, I want to say that Tiasa, Tiasa, first of all, you all know her for being the, you know, the host of the Faces of Digital Head. But as well, today we'll also explore a bit into this. She's also the business developer of Better Meds. This is something might be she might be less known of, but she has a definitely interesting role because she's enabling a lot, especially when it comes to e-prescription, I believe. Is that correct? Yeah, I can I can explain a little bit more a little bit later. (laughs) Yes, I'm really looking forward to this. Um, But Tiasa, this is all about the digital head journey. How has it been for you? Like, I, I, I still remember way back when we met in Ljubljana for the very first time. Um, I think, it, I'm not sure if it was, if you had done about 50 episodes already. I'm, I can't remember exactly, but I remember like that your digital health journey goes way back. So tell us about it. How did you end up in digital health? Uh, so I was uh, a healthcare medical journalist before diving into healthcare IT. And, and my work as a journalist was focused on reporting on latest clinical guidelines, changes in clinical guidelines, new therapies. So very clinical work because the content was focused on for doctors. We would go to medical congresses to report on novelties in therapies. And uh, that gave me a little bit of understanding of some of the fields in medicine, which is huge. And at the same time, in 2005, I started noticing how uh, technology is entering healthcare with a rapid speed and how it's going to play an increasingly important role um, in healthcare. I, uh, at that time, was also a, a, an audience developer for the media outlet that I was working for, and we started doing uh, podcasts and I wanted to do one on digital health and that's how basically my journey began. That was five years ago. I'm approaching 200 episodes. So yeah, quite a few discussions behind me. 
Yeah, so that that's incredible. Two hundred. Wow. Will will we ever get to that milestone? I'm not sure, but most probably by that time you will be at your five hundred episode. <laughs> uh, but definitely there was there has been a lot of work um, into that, and it's it's interesting also because we really had the opportunity um, in the previous podcast we had the opportunity to talk to an engineer. We had the opportunity to talk to someone who started off in political science. So really, what's what I'm noticing the more more and more is that is that the different sciences and the different um, professions are closely, slowly, and steadily coming into healthcare, and and that's beautiful because that's what we really need in healthcare. We we don't really need only the view of the medical doctor. We don't need only the view of the nurse, we don't need the view of only the healthcare professionals working, but we need the view of multiple people, multiple experts who can help us deliver better patient outcomes of anything to deliver a much better user experience. But I'm really curious about uh, better meds. Um, I know that's, uh, that you work for, you work with better as well, uh, but tell us more about it. Like uh, how did you, especially how did you make the experience work for healthcare professionals and healthcare organizations. Like, what's your experience there? Like, do you have some interesting case studies that you can share with us, possibly some big wins? Sure. Um, yeah, I can explain that. So basically, Better is an IT uh, company, healthcare IT company, that is uh, offering the market a market-leading mm, platform for data management based on the open EHR standards. And among the things that we do in the company is also developing a medication management systems for system for hospitals called Better Meds that you uh, mentioned. So basically, Better Meds is something that doctors, nurses, and pharmacists in the hospital would use for medication management. So now if you, I think that sounds much uh, simpler than it actually is. But if you imagine when you enter the hospital, um, the doctor first needs to get your medical history. He needs to um, see what kind of medications you are taking so far. Then that has to be put in a system. The pharmacist needs to check if everything's okay with the medication, has to cross-reference uh, the information with the previous sources, so potentially primary physician um, and other hospitals that you visited before that. So creating the whole list of medications is a huge process in on its own medication reconciliation and then the same system uh, is used by nurses when they need to administer medications and if you imagine having 10 patients with 15 different medications each of the medications with different doses different routes of administration the complexity just uh, gets bigger and bigger um, in the US a lot of hospitals are already using barcoding to check which medication goes to which patient so you make sure that the right patient gets the right medication. However, in many places, um, the hospitals are only starting with uh, um, electronic medication uh, management. Um, the basic aim of medication management done electronically is to decrease errors with prescribing, to decrease errors with medications, and in essence, um, 
create better patient safety. And clearly, you know, when we're developing these systems and trying to improve them, the aim for us is to also care about the users of the system so that uh, healthcare providers are not overburdened by these systems, which is a huge problem in healthcare IT, as you are probably aware. Yeah, I mean, um, it's interesting that because I think we do have, as medical professionals, we do have a bit of a love-hate relationship also with technology. And also we have a love-hate relationship with paper. Uh, so, so it's, you know, paper is sometimes something you can touch, you know, something. That, and there, there still is that mentality in multiple countries, not just uh, in countries like where there, there's some like this difficult detachment from this something to touch, you know, the paper. And, uh, and the mod actually, interestingly enough, we did start with robotic dispensing and we did start, uh, there are some pilot programs going on in different words. I th- it hasn't been straightforward, mind you. We did have some hiccups and uh, I think we're still learning as well because you, when, you, when you work with different providers, when you work with like, when there is also a bit this, you know, this things happening back and forth, it can be a bit changing. It's not, it's not impossible, but you know, sometimes you'll face these changes as with any other implementation. So this is something that I think even though around the world we are, we're having like electron e-prescription becoming so widespread, we still are facing challenges. So it's not something like, oh yes, pandemic helped definitely because, you know, even we saw, we don't like, we don't have a full national e-prescription. We have a motor, we have like a reimbursement of, of uh, electronic reimbursement and you can pick it up from your own pharmacy. That's extremely convenient. But as such, doctors still write prescriptions up till now. Let's hope it changes soon. Uh, and, uh, but, but because of the pandemic, then we had to kind of look at electronic, like accepting a photo of a prescription rather than the actual paper. It had to happen. Otherwise, there were people who would have been stuck without medications. Uh, so there is this bridge happening until we get there, which is very, very interesting. And, I, and I'm going to follow this closely and I'm, I'm going to push as much as I can to for us to consider having a national e-prescription system because it will benefit everyone at the end of the day to even to understand the full healthcare journey and i'm sure you can tell us a bit more about that like from from what you've seen is there like a story in particular which really struck you tiasa from your work for example it could have been a patient who who received their medication on time. Do you have some story to share with us? Oh, I mean, I've got uh, plenty of stories to share because after all, I'm, I'm a chronic patient myself. And uh, last year I even um, uh, recorded a documentary about medication management uh, called Overdose, How Can We Prevent Medication uh, Errors? It's uh, in that documentary, there's 10 speakers uh, uh, included from various countries across the world. We even had a panel discussion um, after the movie premiere. So in the end, you've got 15 experts talking about medication management from 10 different countries. And that documentary really gives you an overview of the problem from the patient, doctor, nursing, and pharmacist prescribing. It's a, so medication management and medication errors is a really huge global challenge. If I just um, you know tell you a few uh, numbers globally, the 
cost associated with medication errors is 42 billion US dollars. We with better meds are mostly present uh, on the UK market and the uh, estimates that are not that old uh, for the UK are that there are over 237 million medication errors happening um, every year and cost uh, 1,700 lives. So this is still, you know, a huge um, challenge that needs to be addressed and patients can actually play an important role in that. Um, in So in, in making sure that they are mindful of what kind of medications uh, they are taking, what kind of medications are given to them when they are um, in the hospital, because um, hospitals are a really hectic environment um, and mistakes can happen really easily. So, um, I mean, many parents will be able to identify uh, with this, uh, but, you know, if you imagine that you're in the middle of doing something or potentially even trying to do two or three things at the same time in your household and we got a two or five year old or even two or three kids and somebody uh, just you know comes by to ask you something um, and you, you you can reply to that but then you're going to immediately forget what exactly was it that you were doing or you're going to start doing something else and come back and uh, figure out oh this is what I was doing like an hour before this and I'll translate this uh, not tension but this um, uh, uh, dynamic, dynamic, maybe. dynamic uh, yeah. into the hospital, um, hospital um, environment, where maybe you've got a nurse that needs to give out medications to to ten patients, and you know it can very quickly happen that there's an error. A patient doesn't get a drug, gets a too high uh, dose of a medication. Yeah. Uh, the packaging of medications are sometimes too similar. If you don't use electronic systems and things are written on the paper, somebody might think that 10 milligrams is 10 grams. So, you know, you've got a really huge um, overdose and it's just um, uh, challenges like this that contribute to medication management being such a patient safety issue that we still need to raise awareness about and that is something that i was also trying to address through the through the documentary um but um yeah um i can stop there because otherwise i'm gonna talk for the whole afternoon no no it's it's wow i mean look the the you know we, we talk to people you know, at the digital head voice, because we have so much to learn from you. If we were like an echo chamber, if we just talk to ourselves, like, we'll just hear our same voice and we won't really learn anything. So that's why it's amazing that, first of all, I'm really happy now because now not only you don't only, only do podcasts now, Tiasa, but now you're doing like even some movies. So that's really cool. You know, like you're you're expanding your uh, your horizons and I even like I want to hand like hand you like a, a big thumbs up because I remember like with the, the transition when you transitioned from podcast to doing more video interviews that was so cool and I, I think that happened during the pandemic is that correct or it um, happened before you started um, before no 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 it was during the pandemic it was just yeah, okay. uh, you know it's uh, the podcast is my way of still uh, being in touch with the journalistic skills. I love being a journalist. I love the, the opportunity to talk to experts and debate about uh, topics. I think it's, it's the best way uh, for anyone to learn. 
Um, it's also very labor intensive, uh, very time consuming if you want to do it uh, well. So I like to prepare for my um, for my interviews because, you know, as a journalist, I still remember we were told um, by one of our professors, when you talk to somebody, don't let that discussion be a discussion anyone can do. So, you know, don't just go with the questions that come to mind first, do your research, do your background research, learn about the topic so you'll be able to uh, talk to the person that uh, you are interviewing. And that's uh, what I'm also trying to do. And, you know, as part of running a podcast for five years, I'm obviously experimenting with the way uh, I can expand the audience and present the content. That's why I also started um, doing a little bit of experiments with video and instead of just uh, publishing pictures of the speakers that talk on the, on the show, I just also publish short clips from the discussion so people can um, see one interesting thought from that whole discussion and decide if that's a topic they would like to uh, hear more about. Wow, so cool, honestly. Um, and with that in mind, I, I wanted to kind of open the floor a bit as well. So we're seeing more digital health podcasts coming into, you know, coming into the forefront. And it's interesting to see, you know, there were lists of digital health podcasts, like the top digital health podcasts, you know, we have a health podcast network. We all, you all know um, Daniel Kendall with his, with his very, very interesting health podcast network. So how do you see the future of podcasts in digital health and medtech possibly? How do you see, how can you see it contributing back to the evolution of digital health? How even not possibly just digital health, the actual products, but even digital health policy possibly, or digital health legislation for all I know. You know, it might have such a beginning. Like, how do you see the future evolving? Uh, I uh, So the main um, kind of benefit of podcasts that I see is that when we speak or, and also when we listen to discussions, the perception um, can be different from the written word. So if you look at a movie or if you, you listen to a discussion or if you read an interview, you might take something different from each of these mediums. So from that perspective, podcasts offer the opportunity for speakers to um, give the, the audience and their network a different uh, insight about themselves, about their expertise. So, you know, me personally, when I do interviews, I always use um, a podcast, the, the podcast app on my phone as a search engine to try to figure out if the speaker that I'm going to talk to has already uh, done any interviews to, to learn what they already said, because I always think of the, the added value that, that I can add, you know, to my audience. I try to create questions that already give the audience some information so the, the speaker can build up on what uh, has already been told. And in that sense, you know, in a shorter uh, amount of time, the audience can get more value than if I just um, uh, gave the speakers basic questions about uh, who they are, what they're doing. And this is potentially a speaker that's already been on 10 podcasts um, and everybody, you know, and it's just, it, it, he or she is just repeating uh, what he or she has already said um, elsewhere. So uh, to summarize, um, podcasts are a new way of getting educated. To some extent, they can be very convenient uh, to listen to compared to books. You know, you need to sit down and listen to books. Uh, 
if you do chores at home, you can do that with earphones and listen. That's what I do. That's how I get my audio content. Uh, and that kind of makes me feel that, you know, I'm not um, uh, out of touch with the trends. So I just, this just, I think, uh, last week, I'll be honest, I was at the gym and I was really lucky because there was someone who told me, like, I listened to you, you know, whilst I was doing my uh, errands at home, you know, and I was like, wow, like, <laughs> I never thought, you know, that uh, we could reach, <clears throat> we could reach someone in their own home. I think that's so beautiful and it's also there's some responsibility that we make we need to make sure that we're informed and in this day and age of misinformation and disinformation as we heard this just this week there was the whole debacle on spotify um uh, and the challenges that they were they were happening there so we really have a big responsibility to make sure that as much as possible we share good and quality information on digital head and believe it or not, Yasa, we're actually coming to the end of the podcast, like I podcast slash video interview. I can't believe it. I mean, uh, I think like this is like act um, when when there is like this uh, like this interesting discussions, and I really get uh, some time also to reflect as well. So what you've said, there were some amazing golden nuggets and golden nuggets of wisdom as well on how important it is to develop quality conversations. <clears throat> and more than ever in healthcare, if you want to create impactful change, you need to have that conversation. Sometimes a difficult conversation, not an easy one where you're gonna tell that person, oh, you know, we're just gonna keep on doing the same old thing that we've been doing for the past 20 years. No, it might be the chance that, it, that there will be need this change. But then there's an opportunity for something beautiful to come out of this. And I have like, I, you have an opportunity for one minute. You already started raising some awareness, which is really cool. But you have one minute. The floor is yours. I will try my best not to interrupt you because it seems I have like a, like sometimes I'm very good at interrupting people. But you have one minute and you can raise awareness on any topic of your choice. All yours, Tiasa. I would like to continue about uh, patient awareness and how can we be better patients, which I started before. Um, so um, there's a book that recently came out came out by a psychologist, Talia Miron-Schatz. Uh, it's titled Your Life Depends on It, and it talks about medical decision-making. And the key takeaway from that book for me was, you know, when you're a patient, when you are stressed out in a medical setting, it's really hard to to be rational. And then a doctor tells you something, you're going to forget 80% of what the doctor said, and you're going to come home. And maybe your loved one is going to ask you 10,000 questions. And you're going to be like, I didn't ask any of those. So the advice or the raising awareness part that I want to emphasize is to practice um, three questions from this book. And the questions are, uh, when you're faced with a treatment or a new drug, ask the doctor, what are the risks? What are the benefits um, and what's the alternative? And um, this is really important because, you know, also when it comes to medication management, 
mistakes can happen so very quickly. And we come to the hospital thinking that we came to a safe place. And that may not be the case, not because um, uh, the clinical staff wouldn't be professional, but just because, as I mentioned before, the environment is hectic. So as much as you can, you know, be mindful of what's given to you, what you're taking, um, and just you know, take your part in the capacity that you can um, in just being that last safeguard uh, regarding the treatment that you're getting. Because this is basically what we're talking about in the 21st century healthcare collaboration, being an active participant in care, not just, just a passive recipient of paternalistic care. <laughs> uh, so risks benefit alternative now that is something i'm definitely going to take from this conversation and i think yes i think uh, one of the biggest one of the most important things that digital health needs to achieve is to relay the information at the right time and at the right context so like with that in mind tiasa i bid you farewell but also see you later and maybe i'd i'd love to see you in malta tiasa so i'm extending this invitation this year to see you in malta at uh, medtech world i hope that we'll be able to have a coffee um together where we can continue discussing on the future of digital health but even possibly on how to you know make it um, even better for the patients for the care for the caregivers and to take digital head possibly to the next level. Well, so the digital head voice is expanding and now you can even find us on your favorite podcast app. So we are on Overcast, Anchor, Pocketcast, Radio Public. I think I'm, I'm losing count of how many we are, but also don't forget to follow us on our socials. So we're on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn and Instagram as MetaQuerd. So we definitely want to see you there. And also keep in mind that this year we're going to have MetaQuerd 2022. So start getting ready, start preparing, doing your preparations, and maybe we'll see you in Malta too. Cheers, grazie, u saha. Uh,